So this is your first ever podcast episode, eh? First ever podcast episode. What's it feel like? <laughs> feels good. <laughs> feels good so far. We just started, so we'll see how it, it feels at the end, I guess. I feel like I feel like I'm just as nervous as you are right now, even though this is our thirty fifth one. Uh, it's the first one of the new year, though. So that's it's new year, new new podcast, I guess, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this the first one of the new season? First one, first one. You're you're uh, guest number one. Look at so that. for thirty five, we got Vanguard Creative. It's exciting. We have Spencer Stanley from Winnipeg, Manitoba. And uh, all right, let's start the show. Let's go. Let's start, I guess, with uh, a lot of people have been saying that we spend too much time on backgrounds, but I still yeah. think it's kind of important. So let's do like a quick, you know, under five minute intro on who you are. Yeah, I think it's good to get to know the person, obviously. Uh, my name is Spencer Stanley. I run Vanguard Creative, which is a Winnipeg based video production company. We specialize primarily in mostly corporate work, but a little bit of commercial work and a little bit of photography kind of here and there. Um, I've been running that full time for, I always forget because I kind of forget what year we're in now with COVID, but I think it's been three full time years. Uh, it was pretty much since the start of the pandemic. Myself, I've been doing video for about five years. The first two, three years were very unprofessional kind of, you know, gigs here and there, making YouTube videos, fun stuff, learning how to use a camera. And then when I was in uh, university, I graduated during the pandemic. I was there for business, uh, majored in marketing and entrepreneurship. And I thought I was going to go into marketing, kind of have a bit of a video background because that's what I was interested in. And, you know, I had no idea what to do at the time with, you know, a pandemic starting. So I just went full time into this and I've been doing that ever since. I haven't looked back and it's been it's been really exciting and fun. So you, you've been doing video for five years, but you started the business three years ago? Five, six years, started the business. The business was registered, I think, three years ago. I think I registered it in January of 2020, I think. Oh, wow. uh, I, <laughs> I would before say before the pandemic. Yeah, it's a great time to start a business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, especially one where you have to interact with people. Um, I, uh, I then, you know, I was still in school, so it was kind of, I had a few projects here and there, but it was, I wasn't doing it full time. And then in May I went full time into it and I kind of told myself, you know, if I can, if I can do my first year, if in my first year, I can have the same salary that I would have as an entry level marketing job or something like that. If I could kind of do a similar type of thing, this makes sense. And I'm going to go and try and do that. So I did that. I succeeded that. And it's kind of been, been not exponential, but growing since obviously. And during the pandemic to boot, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, we had good growth. We had good growth during the pandemic as well. I think a lot of people had positive growth and then some people were in a lot of trouble. You did, right? Like I tried to branch into corporate work and I got some clients that uh, I wouldn't have even had if there wasn't a pandemic. So I shot a lot of like annual general meetings, pre-recorded videos for that. And that gave me when I was starting a lot of, you know, just capital to, to be able to actually run the business. So the pandemic did help me in in kind of a weird way. And also, I think it helped me go full time and pursue something that I really wanted to do um, without any, it gave me an excuse to do it really, right? I was I was still living at home. So it was a nice little, uh, it was a nice little segue to kind of do this and, and let me do it. And I don't know if I would have done it otherwise. So I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for the pandemic and, and what it did in a weird way. If that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense because what it did was it forced a lot of people to really reflect and look at their businesses to see what was working and what wasn't working. Because when you're in the mode of working in your business, you sometimes forget to work on your business. And I think the pandemic really forced everyone to actually look at their businesses as a whole and see what was working and what wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's funny that you, you mentioned that because I, I, I find I do that 
myself a lot of the time when it's really busy, I'm just working, you know, uh, how did you phrase it in the business? And then when it slows down, which it typically for me, it gets kind of cyclical around this time of year and it slows down just a little bit. And then I start working on the business and I'm like, I got to do this more during the year, um, and be, be a little bit more attentive to, um, you know, marketing and, and things like that. How big is your uh, your business right now? Is it just you running it or do you have employees? It's just myself. So I would consider myself kind of a solopreneur. Um, I do hire out depending on the production, obviously. So I, I have a couple different contractors that I'll work with here in the city. And I think we, we spoke about earlier, I have uh, a freelance editor that I've been, been using and looking to hire somebody in the year that's kind of editing and shooting so that I could have somebody to help with we talked about earlier, I'm kind of going into YouTube a little bit more. So help editing and filming there and then BTS and stuff like that, depending on, you know, the production size. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat right now. Like uh, we have a couple of freelancers that we use pretty consistently, but we're not at the stage yet where we can hire them on. Actually, when Kirill and I were going over the number numbers on what it would cost to like have like an employee, it's kind of shocking. <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. Sometimes... I say sometimes you see some companies like they say, oh, we have like 20 employees. I'm like, how? When we know that they don't actually have that many, they're just trying to boost boost their numbers up. And we go like, dude, if you have 20 employees, that's at least like two mil yeah. <laughs> like well, a year. Just an employee cost. I, sorry to interrupt. I try and be transparent with that too because I find it really, yeah. I, I find it kind of shady when people put a thousand employees on their website when you know that it's an agency with maybe two, three people working in the business full time. Yeah. It's not really my favorite business practice. So if you look on our website, it's just myself, even though there's different contractors that would almost be on every single shoot that I would bring them to, but they're not full-time employees. They have their own businesses or they're doing other things. So I find yeah. it a little disingenuous. Not that it's it's a terrible thing to do, but I find it a little somewhat disingenuous, I guess. It, it depends on how much they, they work for the business, I guess. I sometimes use that as like a benefit when, when I'm doing a... like our sales calls or whatever, because yeah. I say like, Hey, you know, we use freelancers that we, yeah. we, we know that we've shot with a lot uh, that we've done a lot of, a lot of projects with. And like the secret benefit of that is that when you hire freelancers, you're kind of getting really good people because people yeah. that are pretty good tend to just freelance because you make more money that way. Right. You Instead make more money that way. And you kind of get a pick and choose what you want to do as well. Exactly. Well, the other big benefit is that you're hiring for that job. So in that job itself, you're getting a very tailored uh, creative team to help execute it. Whereas there are a lot of companies where they have, they've hired too many people and then they start taking on jobs in the volume sense and trying to just push the content out or sorry, push their, those employees onto the projects when they're not right for the job. And sometimes the end product suffers as well. Yeah. I, I find a lot of companies that do maybe hire on or have a lot of employees like that tend to, maybe disvalue their work a little bit and kind of undercut and try and do economy of scale volume because they have people that need to work, right? If I hired a DP, I wouldn't have work for him all the time, right? It just, it wouldn't make sense to, to, to run this business in that capacity. An editor, yes, it would make sense if I had enough work where that editor was going constantly, right? And, and focusing on other things, maybe focusing on the company and working on the business. But um, I think, I think in our line of work too, it's just like, how would you have, what would you do with 20 20- employees all the time unless you were on a you had a different production every day right there's a, there's a few companies that have it figured out like that we've had as guests on and 
Those ones I always look at and go, man, that's intense. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Well, it's because we don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. They like yeah. when you, sometimes when a certain job comes in, um, some of our guests uh, they got their start when they've uh, taken on really big contracts, yes. and because of that, they had to scale up really quickly to help meet the demands of those contracts, and that's yeah. how they got their foundation. Whereas yeah. a lot of the rest of us, or sorry, the rest of us, do it slowly, slow growth, kind of like what you're doing, how we're doing yeah. it. And slowly trying to introduce more people within the business as well. What are some of the needs? What are some of the challenges? Yeah. How do we fix that? Do we need to hire someone or can we still make it work with freelancers? Yeah. And, and I think that's a really good point. Like I've like last year, for example, this year I haven't had as many large projects that I, I would like to have had that would have been able to, to help me grow and maybe hire somebody full time like last year had two projects that I could remember that were, were a fairly good size. And I was like, okay, if we could do this every year, it's going to be easy to hire an editor. Maybe I could hire another AC or, you know, maybe somebody that can be a shooter role, like a, a DP, you have different roles like that. Uh, but this year just haven't seen that. I mean, I sent a couple of proposals on projects that would be of that size, but didn't get any of them sadly, but it's just kind of how it rolls in the, the industry, I guess as well. Right. Yeah, that's the but, thing I hate is that there's just no consistency year to year. You just don't know. Like, yeah. even though sometimes, like for us, it's been pretty consistent yeah. the last couple of years. But I don't know, 2023 could be a bad year. You just you never really no know idea. at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, that's why you have to be careful about hiring based on the jobs because you may get yeah. one massive. Like we had a job last year where sure we could have hired someone based on those numbers for the year, you know, to help us execute it. But then. This year, would there be a project of that equivalent where we can justify it? So yeah. you have to make sure that there is at least somewhat of a consistency in the inbound work that yeah. can justify it. One job can be dangerous because like something like the pandemic can hit and then that one job is gone. Well, then, then you got to lay people off. And I feel like they're in the, in the marketing yeah. kind of agency world and video world, there's a lot of turnover just because companies can't always... Um, maintain the employees that they've taken on for certain roles or campaigns or retainers. And then, you know, that goes because there's a pandemic and people are out of work. Right. Uh, let's talk about your, uh, your, your section of the world and Winnipeg. It's a pretty small market, right? Like, I mean, even when I was reaching out, there's like, there's actually a lot of guests, uh, from Winnipeg that are going to be coming on this month, but like overall, I would like, there's like maybe 10 to 15 companies that are that I that I wanted to bring onto the show there, but it's a relatively small market, right? So you you kind of broke into it recently. Like, how what was that like breaking into like a it's like a you know a fish in a small pond type yeah, of situation. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting market, and I I don't totally understand what the market would be like in Toronto. I know there'd be a lot of you know company saturation, but there's also a lot more work because you, you your economy is a lot bigger, right? You have a lot more business in Toronto. And a lot more congregation of big business in Canada, which is, you know, exciting to, to be in that market. Winnipeg's small. Um, it's weird how, how I broke into it. Honestly, I, I think it was just through networking and personal connections, um, kind of creating a body of work and saying, hey, this is what I do, reaching out to people and then getting jobs with certain companies that had maybe a reputable brand and then saying to other companies, hey, I've worked with, you know, this credit union, this large credit union, this whatever. And I feel like that gives me a little bit of credibility to the, to the work that I did. Um, and then I've grown in there. I, I wish I could niche down a little bit more, but I don't think the market's big enough to sustain niching down more. Like I, I'd love to just do commercial work, right? But there's only so many commercials that are going to be produced here in Manitoba. And there's already a certain amount of 
uh, competition for that work, right? So it's, it's a really weird market. And honestly, to answer your question, I don't think I've figured it out yet. Uh, I know Manitoba in general, there's a lot of agribusiness. So people that work in that space, in terms of marketing, maybe less video production, but marketing do really well. Like we have, there's a, a really big marketing agency that is just pretty much agribusiness because um, that's kind of a big part of our economy. But I haven't but completely, sorry. I was just going to say that's probably the main customer profile because the, yeah. the one thing that we're always curious about is what are the the biggest customers or the most, uh, the, no, what is it? No, not the biggest customers, but uh, the most type of uh, customer that is within that market. You know what the I mean? The agribusiness, I think. I exactly. Think so. Yeah. There, there's okay. a couple other different businesses in terms of manufacturing and stuff, but in the video world, there's a lot of uh, government uh, work as well. So tourism work, uh, obviously the federal government gives a lot of money to uh, tourism work. So that gets pushed out. I would say that's a really big part of the video production market. And then also, you know, different government work like our, uh, um, you know, MPI, stuff like that. So they do a lot of work as well. So it's kind of a mixed bag. I, I, I find I'm sure somebody else might have a better with a little bit more experience in the market might have a better definition of exactly kind of what it is. But I'm just kind of still figuring that out. But that's pretty much the path that it would be for someone like you in your position where you're trying yeah. to break into the industry, because that's how it was for us trying to do whatever jobs you could along the way, uh, start to kind of figure out what types of work you connect with or the types of clients you're starting to yeah. just so happen to get connected with. And that's yeah. the type of work you're going to end up doing. You're almost at the mercy of what opportunities uh, come by your way, right? It's not like you can just say, I'm going to be a commercial director tomorrow. Then all of a sudden, that's the only work you're going to do. You have to build up to it over time, it, right? It'd be nice, but it's not feasible. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. You got a lot of uh, agribusiness uh, over there. Here we have a lot of, like for us, it's a lot of uh, financial, healthcare, tech. We got a lot of that. Those, those are the three main industries. Yeah, we, 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 like at least for us, that's what we mainly focus on. Do you guys primarily work in the Toronto area or do you kind of branch out uh, to Ontario in general? Uh, no, no, no. So we do GTA, which is yeah. like Toronto plus like Mississauga, Mississauga Markham, Richmond Hill. Surrounding uh, Pickering. areas. Yeah, yeah, surrounding areas around Toronto. Uh, a lot of our work is in downtown Toronto, but you okay. know, it's like there's a lot of companies tend to have offices in Mississauga or whatnot. So we tend to drive out there and whatnot. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Mississauga is a pretty big uh, area as well. <clears throat> How's the freelancer scene over there? Um, you know, it's 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 pretty good. Uh, it kind of depends. Uh, I have, you know, if, if I find somebody that I like to work with, I just tend to work with them um, a lot of the time. So I don't branch out too much unless I'm looking for a specific role. Um, but there are quite a bit of freelancers and kind of solo videographers in the market as well. Not as many as I, I was aware with kind of before I started doing more, you know, higher end production work, but it's, it's there. Yeah. For us here, it's kind of, for us, it's the same. There's, I mean, there's a ton here in Toronto, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, the tricky Toronto, part is always finding, finding good ones. That's always the tricky part. <laughs> finding good ones and people that you want to work with people that are kind of fun to hang out with and, uh, that you like, you know, having a conversation with and then do good work at the same time. Yeah. Carol, yeah, I rudely I, interrupted you. So, what were you, what were you about to ask? <laughs> I was actually uh, one. One of the conversations I wanted to kind of get to is uh, you mentioned you're also starting a YouTube channel, which, yes. in a way, 
it's also its own business. So in a way, as a, yeah. it's hard enough to run a business by yourself, but uh, to also do a YouTube channel, that's a, a business in and of itself. And yeah. the way Dario and I look at, for example, uh, Laps Productions and also mm -hmm. Creatives Grab Coffee, that's two businesses yeah. we're essentially 100%. running. So how, is it, how has that been? Like, how long have you been doing it and what have you learned so far? So the main reason that I got into video in the first place is because I've always been really interested in YouTube. Like, I, I don't watch much Netflix. I don't watch much Prime, whatever. I watch You're not missing much. I know. I, there's certain shows that <laughs> yeah. I love, like Yellowstone or Jack Ryan or recently The Terminalist, stuff like that. But I mostly just watch YouTube videos. And when I have a new, I find like I have hobbies all the time. So when I get a new hobby, I just get deep into a YouTube niche and just watch a bunch of that. So been watching YouTube for a long time. And originally the reason, the reason that I bought my first camera was to start making YouTube videos. So I traveled and stuff like that. And I, I did it, but I find that at the end of the day, like what I'd really like to do is just focus more on YouTube, but it has been hard, you know, running a full-time production business. And then also trying to do this side hustle that doesn't really make a ton of money. It makes a little bit of money, but it's not enough to be sustainable. Um, and it's, it's been a struggle to kind of allocate time and, and, and do that really properly. Uh, I'd like to release a video every week, but it, it rarely happens if I'm really busy with production work. So I find that when I'm busy with work, I kind of put it to the side. And then when work slows down a little bit, I focus on that more. And it's, it's not a great process. I would like to, to, like I said, hire somebody that could help edit and film things so that it's not just myself at the helm of everything, right? Like with the business, I'm doing the marketing, the accounting, the business work then a lot of, you know, the producing, the DPing, production work, some of the editing. So it's hard to kind of to find a balance. One thing that can help you with that is, I mean, you said you mostly are doing kind of like a camera a tutorial videos, how-to videos and things like that. Have you thought to yourself, who is your target market with that? Yeah, I, I've had a, a tough time kind of defining on what I want to do because I also find... I. I lose interest in certain hobbies and then I pick them back up and lose interest. So it's hard to stay motivated on making videos about cameras when I'm, you know, doing video production all day. Like it's like the last thing I want to do after getting home from yeah. work is touch another camera <laughs> and talk about one. Right. So I, f I feel like my, my target market is pretty much people like me who are into video, use Sony cameras possibly, um, and are in a similar kind of stage in their video production journey, uh, maybe a little bit lower kind of starting out as well. Yeah, the reason I ask is because like when you start to define those things, it helps you get a little bit more motivated with that. Like what helped us a lot with Creatives Grab Coffee was really figuring out what the purpose of the show was and just kind of sticking to that. And essentially because of that, it allowed us to kind of get into um, the habit of creating more, more and more consistent content. So once I think you've, because you said you still haven't a hundred percent figured out what you want to do with it. And that's why it's hard to do things consistently. Right. And it is, um, and, that, and I do need to thing. kind of make those, the uh, you know, target market or some people call them avatars, the people that you, you think are watching your content. Um, yeah. it, it would be a lot easier, but I've just, I have so many different interests that it was always hard for me to define a single niche or a target market and then make videos specifically to that. Like, I have so many other interests and hobbies outside of cameras that I think it would have almost been smart to start a YouTube channel in a different genre and try and stand out with my camera work in that genre. Because in, in this, you know, this area, there's so many really talented people that are definitely better than me or more experienced in the, the kind of video scene as well, right? Like you know, Peter McKinnon, you have people like that. I want to go back to the 
video production business. <laughs> um, since we're, we're we're early into the new year, I just want to know what were some of your um, challenges? What were some, what were some of the challenges that you faced in twenty twenty two? That's a good question. Um, I, I think the biggest challenge, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, is just uh, consistency in the business. It goes from what I would say a little too slow for my liking to way too much for my liking where I can't handle everything on my own. Um, so then I kind of hire freelance for that, or I would like to hire full time, but then it slows down again. So keeping consistency within the business and keeping consistent cash flow would be, um, something that I, I think every person in this industry struggles with a lot, not everybody, but some people have kind of cracked the code. Um, I, I would say that's one of the biggest hurdles. Um, and I know this, this brings me into another topic. I was just looking over there that I wanted to bring up and it was kind of the retainer model and seeing if you guys have, have looked at that at all. I mean, it's come up on, on previous episodes. We like, we haven't, I know some people have cracked the code for it personally for us. I, I think we've sat, we've sat down a ton of times to try to figure out what we could do in terms of retainer, but it just, it, I don't know. It just never works for us because a lot of our clients kind of have like their own things that they do. We would have to really be involved in their business to know like the, the we would need to know what their whole plan is on a, on a much higher up level than, you know, we're normally exposed to to be able to say, hey, like, let's try to do this and that. And I don't think it's just I don't I don't think we ever get that involved with, with our clients' businesses to be able to to provide something like that. The retainer model works a little bit more with the marketing and uh, advertising agency model yeah. because they typically as video production, um, as video creators, we come in once the strategy is usually already kind of figured out. And um, a lot of some of our guests ha are basically agency model type companies and they're working with the clients consistently where they do website production, photo production, uh, graphic design, video. That doesn't mean well, that they're they running, running camp. They're running campaigns. Yeah, yeah. So they, they kind of go like, thing. okay, we're going to run this type of campaign for you. And it's going to include all these other assets. And we're, like most of the time, they're also pushing that stuff yeah. in there. Right. But for us, like we're, we're very, we're highly specialized. We're a yeah. highly specialized business. Like, yeah. like if single video can cost anywhere from five to 10,000. Yeah. Of course. Involve a ton of work, like a month's worth of work. Like yeah. in terms of retainer, it's, there's too too many things that that need to happen it, for it to it's be. It's tough like, for the type of video production that we're doing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. If we did like something that was more simpler, like if yeah. we go like you know we're we're in the business of creating like you know we do about short form video five, or something like that. Five yeah, yeah five to fifteen TikTok yeah. videos for each client every month. Then you could yeah. work out some some type of retainer model where that makes sense, right? Yeah. I actually saw on your website um, that you are kind of adopted also the the package content model. And that is, yes. like, I was actually curious uh, what, what made you kind of like go into that direction because it sounds like you also do video, photo, yeah. um, specialized custom packages, and then you're having these more specific packages. Like uh, what are what were your thought processes behind that? So I would say my, my main revenue model is the exact same as you guys, specialized video content, um, one-off projects. But I, I, I did have this problem. So I, I decided to maybe try and go into this this realm of, short form uh, content creation in this on a more retainer level for the Winnipeg market and see if that worked. Um, I've done different retainer work before in like the beverage industry and I found that really interesting. Um, 
but I haven't, I haven't pushed it too much. So I just, I, I kind of created that one day and I haven't, uh, I haven't gone too deep into that yet as something that I want to push. My, the, the most of the revenue comes from one-off video projects, same as you guys. Yeah. We, we started offering photography services late last that. year. Yeah. And, um, like I, we, we try to pitch it with every video project now. Uh, but a lot of our clients have been very happy that we now offer that. Really? Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, like the people we use are really good and, yeah. uh, they know that we provide good video content. So they kind of trusted us. Trust the photography the side of, yeah. yeah. And we trusted our photography, uh, team yeah. and yeah. they, they delivered on that. And so it's been working fine, but a lot of them have been very happy about that. And it, it hasn't been kind of like, it hasn't been in conjunction with the video project itself. It's mostly yeah. been like, Oh, okay. Like, separate from that project we have this other event coming up okay we don't yeah. really need video for it but we do need photography or yeah, yeah. we have headshots that we need to do yeah. obviously there's no video component to that so we just need photography for that but it's been an extra service that you know yeah. keeps the client happy keeps us happy keeps the other photography studio uh with some more consistent business well the other big thing is that we're we're still being that problem solver in their eyes because even though we're not physically the ones doing the video work we yeah. have vetted and found talent that can help on the photo side and solving a big problem for them, which is like, hey, we need someone on this day in two weeks. Is there potentially someone you know? It's like, yes, we have about five, six different photographers that we can reach out to and we can have one of them come in and just handle that. And then we're still um, the the face with the with our client so that they don't have to talk to any new people. They don't have to try to build new relationships. It's a much easier process for them. And this is why a lot of bigger agencies typically get a lot of bigger clients because they are those problem solvers for those uh larger companies because yeah they're still they just the want to go to one shop. person yeah they, exactly. they don't want to they don't want to have to deal with a bunch of different freelancers a bunch of different payment structures etc they just want to deal with one person and they want to make everything easier I, i've also offered photography pretty much since the start of the company i would say the main our main business like you is video production i do photography myself but then most of the time i'll hire that out as well uh, depending on kind of the production. There are some jobs, like we recently did a campaign with Porsche Canada and the Porsche Center Winnipeg here where they wanted video and photo on the same day because they only had the client for one day that we were we were focusing on. So I would hire yeah. a photographer specifically for that to work with us um, on the shoot. Somebody that I work with quite often. And he's I work with him a lot as well, so he's kind of you know a bit of a director and DP at the same time if, if you need help. Yeah, that's a common that's a common format as well. Where sometimes clients want to try to uh, kill two birds with one stone, especially when they have people coming in which are only available for that day. And yep, we all know it's not the most ideal environment to try to do photo and video side by side, but it is what it is. You have to make it work. And when it comes to or like when you were asking about the retainer model, I feel the only it really depends on the type of opportunity and the type of business that it's in. I feel more so in the product world, that might be a little bit more viable from a video production standpoint because um, those clients are constantly needing to pump out content to sell high product. volume products. Yeah, high volume in products. Whereas if you're working with B2B companies, the retainer model is not going to work for those companies because they have very specific yeah. messages and content that they need to produce every now and then. Yeah. But it's not like they need something on a weekly basis. No, 100%. And I was going to ask you too, I keep having these things, but I don't want to interrupt. So I'm holding them oh, and go I for forget it. them. Go um, for it. Would your main clients be uh, a business reaching out to you with a marketing uh, department themselves? Or do you guys work with a lot of marketing agencies that have a pool of clients? 
No, we uh, our our main business is uh, direct to client. Yeah. Okay. We don't. We we have maybe I would say two um, agencies, agencies, two to three agencies yeah. that yeah we work with. Um, not ad agencies, just marketing agencies. Marketing agencies. Do you find with um, those businesses, do they generally come back often, or are they kind of one offs? Maybe they need a video once a year, and when they need that video, they're going to reach back out to you because you've built a relationship. We've been going through a lot of growth lately, so in a way, it's like we're shedding skin and some of those might be older clients that we, we've kind of outgrown them in terms of budget or just whatever they need. Like we've just kind of outgrown that. Um, so it's still kind of early to say, I would say that since the, I would say that since the start of the pandemic, we've, we've done like a 90 plus percent client turnover. Our pre pandemic clients, I would say there's like, like a handful, like under five that stayed Even, with us. And yeah, since then, we've had like a complete new roster of clients. And do those it's new still, clients come back? Are are they coming back for multiple videos a year? Or is it kind of... Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. They yeah. Are. I would say a good chunk of them are just because like the uh, clients usually don't uh, leave you for someone else yes. unless you've either changed your, your budget, your, your, your pricing by yeah. more than what they can pay, uh, more than what they can afford, or your quality has dropped significantly yeah. or the experience has just gone downhill yeah. or they've just had a turnover of staff, right? Yeah. That happens too. So, yeah, which is not always the worst, often. but it it's not always the worst thing though. It's, no, I would say it's actually pretty good because yeah. that person now goes to another company and True. they'll always remember you. So yeah. we've had that happen as well where they go work somewhere else That's a good and they bring us along with them. Yeah. Uh, whether the other company wants to keep us or not, it's kind of, okay, it's, it happens, right? Yeah. Like you can't really, that's yeah. kind of out of your control. So yeah, I, ha I had that happen with one of my bigger clients and then I had to build a relationship with them again with the new person, which worked out fine, but it was one of the bigger clients. So at first I was a little worried. But think of it, that's the easiest sell because you've already, you already have a track record right there for yeah. them to see and they can see the quality of work you did. It yeah. shouldn't be something too scary of a thing. It's like, oh no, they changed their head of marketing. I, I'm, yeah. They're not going to hire me anymore. Yeah. It's like, this, this they is a company don't that give works a reason with not to. Multiple different video production companies and spreads it out though. Like they do oh, a lot okay. of video work. So building a relationship with that one person is really important because I feel like they'll have preferential treatment depending on, they're not going to pick the same video production company every time. So I feel like that it kind of, it makes sense to have a good relationship. It's honestly out of, it's honestly out of your control after a certain yeah. point. That's what I've noticed. Like I, I used to get like a little bummed out about that as well. And then you just yeah. realize like, look, they're, they're either going to like you or not, or they have yeah. someone else that they want to bring. What well, can you do that? As long as you, as long as you did your best, like that's yeah. it, right? Like you can't yeah. cry about every sale you lose. Yeah. Well, that's good. And then what, so just to kind of keep going with that, what type of yeah, industries are the companies in that they're doing multiple videos per year? And what would those videos be like in, in genre kind of? So I would say, let's start with finance, the finance uh, yeah. industry. We're starting to get a lot of, you know, uh, pay the bills types of projects. Mm -hmm. So like annual meetings, I don't mind them. They're easy and they pay yeah. well. Um, annual meetings, end of year reports, uh, yeah. quarterly reports, stuff, you know, quarterly, quarterly reports. reports are yeah. very common with a lot of companies because also a lot of these financial businesses, they, not all of them are experienced in doing video work. So they're also trying to dip their toes into it. It's going to be a yeah. slower process where they're not going to dive right in with the 
biggest possible project uh, right off the bat. They're going to start simple and slow. And yeah. that's how you build long-term relationships. You know, small successes sure. can lead to bigger successes down the road. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And that, that would be a really good type of clientele to have somebody that needs multiple videos, like an AGM every year. Maybe they want a corporate explainer and then maybe they want some commercial work as well for, you know, brand awareness or whatever. So exactly. the financial industry is definitely a good industry for video. Yeah. yeah and then... Um... I would say for the other ones, it's typical stuff. Like for our, our tech uh, industry, it's a lot of explainer stuff, like stuff yeah. for either tech internal. Good or, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I find a lot with yeah. uh, clients that I get kind of on a once a year basis or a turnover basis here in, in Winnipeg. They either want a corporate explainer or they're doing some specific thing, but then they don't necessarily need video for anything going forward. They might use it here and there, but it's not going to really benefit them. Uh, they're not going to get a return on their investment a lot of the time for maybe a marketing video or something like that to do it multiple yeah. times. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a, a once and done. So finding clients like that, especially in the, the financial sector, I, I find is really interesting. Yeah. Well, it depends. It depends on the type of clients and the size of the business at that point, right? So yeah. this is where you have to also think about what type of clientele you want to work with. Yeah, Whereas absolutely. At, at one point, we were working with a lot of those types of clients as well, where a lot of one-offs... Um, they might need just some kind of basic explainer, which it's fine yeah. to do that once in a while, but then there's no sustainability in the long term, you know, with that, like you yeah. said, it's a once in a while, once a year, maybe once every two years, this person's going to come to you. And so Dario and I, what we did was we started to think about what different criteria are we looking for? Like what type yeah. of companies, uh, or sizes of companies are we trying to, to target? And that, that's kind of like how our shift kind of went. And no, budgets are that's, that's, that's not how it went. Well, it's, we it's, just mainly looked for, it. no, but like the, the, uh, the, no, what we did was we basically just, uh, vetted, vetted the, the lead a bit better. That's right? what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. We no, but we didn't, we don't, we don't, we don't really choose like who we work with. like in terms of like, okay, you have to be of this size or that. It's like, look, as long as you can pay, you kind of know what you're doing on the strategy end. We can kind of feel out that this is going to be a good experience for both of us. We'll take you on. We don't kind of like saying pick and size, choose. Dario. I'm not specifically meaning about the size of the company, like how many, how many locations or how many employees. But in terms of the size of like other things, like you just mentioned, the strategy, the budget, yeah. uh, the focus, right? Like some some of those clients uh, that are doing one offs, maybe in their eyes, they're not really finding video as that much of an important tool that they need. Yeah. And those are the kind of clients you might want to vet out over time. You want to work with people that see video as yeah. a need or as something that is valuable. And yeah. that's where the best work comes out of. A hundred percent. Yeah. There um, are those though that just need like a couple of pieces. That's normal. Just because that's they normal. do it. Yeah. Because yeah. again, there's always like a baseline as a business that you need to have. Yeah. Sometimes like it's understandable that, that you're not going to push like 50 pieces of video content out there. Like you just need the basics. Yeah. You need yeah. your your website landing video, video, like something else yeah. to accompany that. And you're pretty much good as a business. Yeah. That's and also I, fine. I find a lot of small to medium-sized businesses here in Winnipeg specifically kind of only look at that. They're just like, you know, they, they don't think about the strategy as much. They think, okay, we need a video because we need a video and we're going to do these two videos and then leave that for a bit until we want to refresh that, right? Um, but I think it is beneficial to find clients uh, that are going to be consistently coming back. And I've struggled with maybe finding those specifically in this, this market. How do you find them? What do you do to get your clients? 
Uh, I don't do a lot of cold outreach, uh, so it would be a lot of word of mouth, either good referrals from other, you know, past people that I've worked with or people in the industry and then inbound via Google is a really big one. We talked about SEO before. Uh, I've been, since that conversation, that put the fire under my butt to kind of, you know, pay a lot more attention to my SEO. So I've been working on that. And then Google ads, like pay-per-click, Google ads, uh, a little bit of Instagram. I spend probably my most amount of, time for marketing in the business on Instagram, yet it does not, I don't think it, it, it provides the, you know, the best ROI in terms of the time invested. I, f- I feel like Google has been my, my biggest, uh, biggest lead of inbound clients, but a lot of the clients that I've kind of done repetitive work with, I feel like are from word of mouth, uh, just doing a good job, kind of building a connection and then being referred to, I know that's not marketing, but it's, it's a good way to, to kind of get leads. We've had like nothing come in from social media at all. Like nothing. Do you guys put a lot of effort into it? Like obviously this is kind of social media. I mean, this is a lot of work, right? It's this is just mainly for ourselves and like for our own personal yeah. networking, but I don't know, like I, I think a lot of our client our our clients or leads, they're kind of they're kind of like the company gatekeepers. They're probably yeah. of the generation that aren't going to check out for vendors through social media they're primarily going to use like search engines right so most of our luck comes from there that's why because when you're b2b you're not typically looking for b2b type of uh vendors on social media all the time because a lot of social media is polluted well not polluted but um what's the right word um saturated is completely saturated with b2c exactly selling products um services that are related to products or maybe we should maybe we should focus more on linkedin though i was thinking about that the other day i think linkedin is a a better platform for b2b 100 percent. and i i make all these posts for instagram and i put all this i don't put a ton of time and i should put more but i put quite a bit of time into instagram creating specific content for that on the vanguard account and i don't post it enough onto linkedin so I think one of my New Year's resolutions is trying to, to do LinkedIn. I've never loved LinkedIn as a platform. Like I don't go and scroll on there personally, you know, like I would on Instagram because it is really a lot of time it's people trying to sell you stuff. Right. And I, I, I don't want to be pushy and salesy with people. But I think if you're you kind of have to, but you, have, I mean, to, you don't yeah. have to a certain degree. Yeah, you don't have to be. I mean, you don't always have to sell something. Sometimes yeah. you could just offer knowledge, advice, tips. Yeah, add value and that's then, the best. people's yeah. lives. That's, that's the, best the best way to do it, right? Get under their radar. And then if they're in the market for something, they'll reach out to you if you feel like you're the person to go to in that industry. Well, think of it like this also. You said you don't you don't typically find yourself scrolling through LinkedIn or anything like that. We're, a lot of us like to do that on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. But your clients... They're on LinkedIn and they're scrolling through there, you know, and because of that, I've gotten a little bit in the habit of just going through LinkedIn myself, trying to interact with other people within my network to just try to be, try to be present. Sometimes being present is not just posting content. It's actually interacting with the other people within your network because you show, uh, you're also showing interest in their uh, in their work and what they're doing. And I think a lot of people tend to overlook that. It's that, hey, here, look at me, me. Look, this is what I'm doing. But the the people that I see the most consistently on LinkedIn and are getting a lot of engagement are people that comment and post, or sorry, comment like uh, other people's posts and just engage them. They just simply engage with them. Yeah, no, I think I that's know. a really good point. 
I don't know how those people have so much time because I know who you're talking about and they're always on it. Like I see them commenting, liking yeah. everything. They must be getting a lot of business or, or something positive from it. But I don't understand. Like there's a lot of people that have maybe a corporate nine to five job and they're on LinkedIn all the time. But all the time. It's not necessarily, depending on what they're doing, is that really bringing any value to them in terms of inbound leads or something? Or do they just love the platform? I think they must love it because it's like... It's a mix. I think it's a mix. And I think it's a, um, I think people also feed off of other people's positive energies. And That's true. they like to see other people within their network succeeding. And then, you know, being there to celebrate that, you know, it, it, it makes everybody feel good. And I think that's yeah. where the community aspect kind of comes out of. And that's also a little bit of what we want to do with Creators Grab Coffee. You know, we're celebrating everyone that we bring into, yeah. that we bring onto the podcast. You know, there's so much value here and there's so many people that have different experiences. Let's connect everyone yeah. together. You know, everyone can learn from each other. Yeah. My counterpoint to that is that on LinkedIn, it just feels like people are very fake. That that's the vibe I get out of it some all of the time. Them. Some of them, I get sure. that vibe sometimes. So too. fake, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I like. I I, I try and not be. Like I said, I like to be kind of open of and transparent, and I don't want to be super fake and and lie about you know how many employees or this this this. But <laughs> yeah, be genuine. Be be authentic. Be, be genuine. Yourself, don't right? fake it. Yeah, yeah. And and I yeah. feel like even coming back to YouTube, a lot of people that have success on YouTube are the ones that are really just themselves they, they they act like themselves on i mean maybe that's not totally true you have people that are outlandish as well like the paul brothers or something like that but a, a lot of people that are genuinely genuinely themselves and not acting for the camera are the people that have a lot of success because people can kind of relate to them and, and connect with them on a different level right be the be the mr beast of uh, linkedin that is that i don't is have the, the answer yeah. for that for today or the or, or the money <laughs> That guy is pure energy. I, I, I just, it's, it's wild how much energy that guy has. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's doing a lot of crazy things. Uh, okay. So what are the challenges that you have? Other challenges? I would say that that's primarily my main one. Um, so how are you going to overcome the, the consistent? How am I going to overcome that? Did you, do you have anything planned? Do you have anything planned? Like any strategies? Yeah, I, I have some strategies that I've been trying to implement. Uh, one of them being SEO to, to kind of, you know, just generate more leads there because I found that a really a positive way to, to get more leads coming in and then kind of try and put to side some of the things that weren't working uh, on my business, like Instagram. I just, I don't think it's, it, it, it's my favorite platform, but I don't think it's really positive for B2B like we talked about. Um, I would like to hire somebody to, to focus less time on editing so I could focus more on the business and then also just, you know, structure the company so that maybe I'm DPing a lot less and I hire certain people to kind of fill those roles so that again, I can work on the business and kind of maybe produce the project instead of just DP and then edit it. Um, so trying to, to, to hire for more roles and kind of take a, a step back so that I'm not doing so much. I think that's a, a a way that I'm going to scale the business a little bit more. That's that's really going to change a lot of things for you once we, because <clears throat> because we were in the same boat where we would kind of take on the 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 grunt work in a way, right? Uh, but once you start uh, budgeting for that and then just saying, hey, listen, I like once you figure out your hard costs of saying, like, look, on a project, I need to have at least one PA, one DP, and one producer director, which will be you, right? So three person crew, and this is going to cost me this much, right? 
then you can set that as like kind of your minimum budget once you factor in also pre-production and post and that'll really like change things because then you'll start to get clients that can afford that kind of pricing and then that's how that's how you scale up your business really and i try and do that right now and i've been trying to do that but also i find there is a lot you know, I go back into to the market and, you know, somebody, an old client reaches out for something where it's maybe just they want a one person crew to film an event video or something like this. And I say yes to it uh, when it's not necessarily what I want to do going forward. So I think kind of sifting out that work and figuring out, um, you know, only taking on work that's going to be really beneficial for the business and growing the business and the work that I'd like to do going forward um, be something that I've, I've kind of planned to do. You know, it make, it makes sense. It honestly makes sense because it's hard yeah. to say no. It's hard to say it's no really to, hard to, to say past no. clients. Yeah. Um, like specifically to past oh, clients because I've done no, it. I, I know, Dario, <laughs> what I'm, I'm just trying to relate here. I'm just saying that like for a lot of people, it is hard to say no to past yeah. clients when they have certain uh, requests and things like that. Um, but as time goes and you, and as Dario mentioned before, once you start to kind of outgrow that level that you were at many years yeah. ago, it's time. It, it it becomes more and more time to understand when it is when you should start saying no, and when you figure that out, then you know you're you're starting to actually grow. Once and, once you start saying no to them, yeah, they'll either say okay, cool, that's it, move on, or sometimes they'll actually get more budget and come 100%. back to you. Exactly. I, I find that um, when I'm busy and when I have work. I say no a lot more or I charge a lot more depending or not charge a lot more, but charge what the, the project would be worth. Right. Um, instead of kind of working within their budget, I say, no, like we're only going to do this with a three to four person crew. It's going to be this much. That's just the way that this should be, um, you know, handled. But then when, you know, we get into this feast and famine kind of mindset and things slow down a little bit, that's when I'm a little bit more, um, susceptible to taking on a project that I, I probably shouldn't in terms of that, right? Because at the end of the day, the business has expenses and, you know, you have to pay the bills. So there has to be revenue coming in. So if I was busy all the time, 12 months of the year, there was there was work solidly coming in, um, that it would be a lot easier to, to say no. I'm, I'm very okay with saying no. It's not like I need to make all of the money. You know what I mean? I, I, I can easily say no and just work on what I like to do. It just kind of depends on on what's coming in. Yeah, when there's not as much work coming in, that's when it's hardest to say no because exactly. the it's right there. Yeah, and you could say you can say no, but um, then it's like, oh, well, now I don't have any income. But that's you know, the difference. Being, being a mature business and knowing yeah. uh, the opportunities that are coming in, even in those slower times, you will understand that it's more valuable <laughs> for you to work on the business yeah. instead of taking on that smaller job because it like. As you mentioned, you're doing a lot of it right now where yeah. if you were to take on that smaller project, you did the pre-production, you shot it, you edit it, before you know it, two to three weeks are gone. Oh, yeah. And and that that would have been time that would have been more valuable for you to work on the business to bring yeah. in more leads that paid a lot more. So I totally um, agree. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, the biggest thing for us was when we just almost 100% outsourced our editing and that yeah. freed up the most amount of time. Start with that. Editing kills you. Like it just, it sucks up so much time, especially if you, if you have a client that needs a lot of revisions and you're kind of going down that rabbit hole. Uh, the biggest thing, and it, I, I did hire, like start uh, having somebody edit most of my work. But then also there, there's a lot of people don't like kind of giving up uh, what makes their project special. I've talked to a lot of different people in the, you know, in the industry and they say, I just, I can't kind of outsource that because editing is what makes the project kind of unique to us 
or whatever, right? Maybe they like color grading or anything, but I find that if I could give the project to somebody to just do at least uh, cut it up, find the best B-roll, edit the interviews, whatever it is, depending on the project, and then you take it to that last 30%, they do 70%, you do 30%, whatever it is, that saves so much time and it, it just, it lets you focus on the business, work on the business or be out there filming more. Yeah. I mean, it all depends on the type of clients. It all depends on the type of clients, the types of projects, see what works for you. It's a, it's an ongoing process. You're never going to just figure it out right off the bat. It's always ongoing. Yeah. Okay. Last two minutes of the pod. Okay. Tell us how you came up with the name Vanguard Creative. Oh, um, I, I kind of just tried to figure out names for a few weeks. Couldn't think of anything. I hated everything. Uh, nothing really stuck. And then I saw Vanguard and I, there's a lot of other companies that use Vanguard. Obviously you probably have seen them in the financial sector. Uh, but I really like the name. some other ETFs. Yeah, I, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Your own? But, yeah, no, not my own. A different company. <laughs> But I, I really like the name and I liked what it kind of meant. And I'd have to Google exactly what it meant. But I think it's like a group of people going off in uh, a new path or something like that. I don't know. But I found it really interesting and I thought it uh, aligned with what I was doing. Um, I, I tried to start the name Stanley & Co. But it was too close to Morgan Stanley & Co. Uh, <laughs> so they wouldn't let me register it. Uh, so I wasted like $100 trying to register the name there. But... Uh, so I ended up on Vanguard Creative and I, I don't know, I like the name. I, I don't like how many other businesses use the name, but I'm sure I just noticed that because it's the name that I picked. So so I, I don't think it's just like, I think you just notice the name. It's like if you buy a Civic, you see Civics everywhere, right? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of one of those things. Um, yep. Yeah. I, I don't really have a process for anybody coming up with a name. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's everyone has a different way that it happens and... The, the one thing I, I would say to that is that the name doesn't really matter as long as it's not something stupid. It's more the brand behind the name and you shouldn't focus as much time on the name. You should just pick something that works and then focus on building a brand around that. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Thank you for coming on, Spencer. I think this was a pretty cool start to season three. It was good. Thanks yeah. for having me on, guys. And it's the first podcast ever. So hopefully I behaved myself and I did well. Yeah, oh, you were great. Okay. You're so what, what was your what was your YouTube channel so people can check it out? It's just my name, Spencer Stanley. If you're into cameras and stuff, check it out. If you like Sony's or whatever, whatever, whatever else tech you got nerds, on there, tech nerds. <laughs> tech nerds uh, I reviewed different office products as well, like this desk, this chair. Those have been well performing videos. So kind of home office desk setup, Sony cameras, lighting, audio, all that stuff. Cool. Nice. And yeah. if um, a listener has a video project out in uh in winnipeg sure to reach out to, to spencer Absolutely. over at vanguardcreative.ca what's your website vanguardcreative.ca cool yeah that's cool. it awesome thanks Spencer, for jumping on awesome thanks guys